When it comes to forms of work, which are for the sake of food preparation, and therefore permitted on Yom Tov, an important thing which has to be taken into account is whether that action could have been performed before Yom Tov began, without losing out on anything. Now, something which could have been done before Yom Tov, but the quality would have been a lot worse than if it was done on Yom Tov fresh. So that is considered to be something which could not have been done before Yom Tov. For example, you want to cook fresh food on Yom Tov. So you're not able to cook fresh food before Yom Tov and then eat it on Yom Tov. It won't be fresh anymore. And the quality would be worse. So that comes under the category of something which could not have been done before Yom Tov. Another such example is crushing spices. If one crushes spices before Yom Tov, in order to have them on Yom Tov itself, they will lose a lot of their pungency. The spices won't be as strong the next day on Yom Tov, and so that would be classed as something which could not have been done before Yom Tov began. Now grinding or crushing grain in the regular way is forbidden on Yom Tov. It could have been done before Yom Tov with absolutely no difference in quality, and apart from that one often grinds a lot of grain at one time, not just the small amount which he needs for Yom Tov. So grinding grain and crushing it is forbidden on Yom Tov totally. However, grinding spices, which is usually done in smaller amounts, and could not have been done to the same level of quality before Yom Tov, it can be done on Yom Tov according to everybody. However, because of its resemblance to crushing and grinding grain, it has to be done with a shinui, with a slight difference. So it's Shammai Mimbev Shammai say, Tavli Nidoich Mimodoshul Eitz. Spices can be crushed with a wooden crusher, usually a stone one is used, so you make a slight difference by using a wooden one. So it's exactly the same implement, and you do it in exactly the same way, just that it's made out of wood. Vahamelach, and if you want to crush salt, which in those days often came in big blocks, and therefore you had to crush it before being able to use it, now that you could have done before Yom Tov, and it would not have decreased its quality. So when it comes to crushing salt, you have to make a bigger shinui, a bigger difference, so you have to use bapachu veitzaporor, a jug or a spoon used for mixing things, some sort of wooden spoon, and that is a totally different way of crushing it, since that could have been done before Yom Tov. We still, I mean, we still say, Tavlin, when it comes to spices, which could not have been crushed before Yom Tov, nidoichin kedarkon, they can be crushed in their regular way, with a stone crusher, the hamelach. And when it comes to salt, so for that you should use a wooden crusher, since that could have been done before Yom Tov, so you have to make a small shinui. But when it comes to something which could not have been done before Yom Tov, then one can do it in exactly the same way as he usually does it on a regular day. Mishnachetz, the focus of this Mishnah is the Melacha of Beirer, of separating things out, and specifically Haber Kitnis Beyomtev, when he wishes to separate out uh, legumes such as beans and peas, he wants to take off their peel perhaps, or to get rid of any waste products. So his Shammai and his Shammai say, Ber Eichel Eichel. He has to separate out the food part of it, so when he's, he can only pick out the parts which are edible which he wants to eat, and eat it immediately. And the truth is that is permitted even on a Shabbos. According to a Shammai, there is no difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov when it comes to the Malacha of Beirer, at least in this case, because it could have been done easily before Yom Tov, without any difference in quality. So just like on Shabbos, the only way to do it would be to do a small amount, and to pick out the part which you want, not the part which you don't want, but to pick out the part which you do want, namely the food, the actual bean, and then you have to eat it immediately, or very soon after, you could do it right before the meal, 
And in such a situation, it will be permitted just like on Shabbos. But by still say, he is allowed to separate it out in his regular way, since it's for the sake of food preparation. It is permitted on Yom Tov in his lap, in some sort of basket, this is some sort of large plate. Even if that's the way that he would regularly do it, he is allowed to do so in the same manner on Yom Tov. Aval. However, he cannot use a table or different types of sieves, which are designated for separating things out, because these are often used for large amounts. And if people see him doing the malach of Beirer with one of these things, so it will appear as if he is preparing for the weekdays. He's separating things out even for after Yom Tov, which is forbidden. And therefore, he cannot use any of these utensils. But in terms of the, of the actual malacha being done, it is totally permitted and does not need to be done in a different way. Now, another method which Beis Hillel forbid would be to place all of the beans or peas into a large bowl of water and leave it for a while for all of the peels and the dirt and the waste products to rise to the top, and then to get rid of all of that dirty water and be left with just the beans and peas which he wants. Again, that appears to be as if he is preparing a lot of it for the next day as well, and therefore it's forbidden according to Beis Hillel. However, Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Gamliel says, One can even soak it and remove the waste products that way, since it does not necessarily appear as much as using a regular sieve, as if you are preparing a lot of it for the next day. People would often do this also for smaller amounts, and therefore it may be done in the regular way on Yom Tov. Mishra Tess, the subject of this Mishnah is sending gifts to somebody on Yom Tov, and there are three different opinions, starting from the most strict. But Shammai and Shammai say, One can only send as a gift to his friend on Yom Tov portions of food which are ready to eat as they are. For example, a cooked dish, such that it is likely that he will eat it on Yom Tov. Because if you give him something which requires more preparation, it is more likely that that person who receives it will end up preparing it after Yom Tov. He won't necessarily go to the effort of making up that food now. In fact, he probably has enough food for Yom Tov. So he'll probably save it for after Yom Tov, in which case you would have prepared on Yom Tov for the sake of after Yom Tov. You're only allowed to do things for the sake of food if it is for the sake of Yom Tov itself. However, they still, I mean, they still say, what the person ends up doing with it doesn't make a difference to us. The point is, it has to be possible, and there has to be a relatively high possibility that that person will actually end up benefiting from it and eating it on Yom Tov. What he actually ends up doing with it doesn't make a difference to us. So one can send to his friend as a gift on Yom Tov. Domesticated animals, wild animals, birds, as long as they are kosher, they can easily be slaughtered on Yom Tov. And even though it requires the recipient to actually go ahead and do that, since he is very much able to do that in a permitted way on Yom Tov, it is permitted, whether the animals are still alive or they've already been slaughtered, and similarly, one can send him wine and oil. They don't need any more preparation, or solosis, and even flour, which would require the receiver to actually process into bread, for example, make it into dough, a kidneys, or beans, peas. All the person needs to do would be to cook them. And since he is able to eat them on Yom Tov in a permitted way, one may send those to him as a gift on Yom Tov. However, something which is very unlikely which he was going to use on Yom Tov, even if technically he's able to use it in a permitted way on Yom Tov, if it is an, an uncommon use of that food, then it is forbidden, even according to Hillel, to send that to him on Yom Tov. For example, Avalei Tavuah, but it is forbidden to sell produce and grain such as wheat, 
since the most common use of that would be to turn it into flour by grinding it, and then using the flour for bread or for other things. However, it's forbidden to grind grain on Yomtev, since it could easily have been done before Yomtev, and it is often done in bulk, in large amounts, so grinding it cannot be done on Yomtev. And although technically you could just crush the wheat and eat crushed wheat, that is a far less common use of the wheat, and it's very unlikely that that person will do so on Yomtev, rather than wait until after Yomtev and process it into flour. And because of that, it is forbidden to send that to him as a gift on Yom Tov. However, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon allows one to even send him produce and grain. Since according to Rabbi Shimon, all one needs is that it be possible for that person to eat that on Yom Tov. Even if it's extremely unlikely that he will, as long as it is possible, it is not your problem at all what he ends up doing with it, and you would be able to send it to him on Yom Tov. Mr. Yud, the discussion continues, and it should be noted that the reason why it is forbidden just to send any gift which you like to a friend is because it's considered very similar to weekday activities. One is supposed to rest and not do many different activities on Yom Tov, and therefore except for food, it is forbidden to send gifts on Yom Tov. Now the mission is going to add over here that clothes can also be sent, since they are totally ready immediately to be worn and benefited from on Yom Tov itself. Michelle and Kalim, one can send as a gift clothes, bent furin. Whether the material is sewn into an actual garment, whether it is not sewed into a garment, but one can still cover himself with it, as some sort of cloak. And the Mishnah, even if they contain kilayim, kilayim refers, at least in this case, to shatnas, which is something containing both wool and linen, and it is forbidden to wear something containing both wool and linen. And as well as that, it is also forbidden to even sit on it, if it is made of material which could be worn. So if it's soft, if the wool and linen are soft, and it's, let's say, a wool and linen cloak, since you could wear the cloak, it's even forbidden to just sit on the cloak. However, if, let's say, it's a very hard cushion, so you'd never be able to wear that, and it cannot keep anyone warm, and so it is permitted to sit on it, and so if it is something like that, then you would be able to send it on Yom Tov, since one can benefit from it easily on Yom Tov. As the Mishnah says, as long as it's for the need of Yom Tov, and it can be benefited from on Yom Tov. But it is forbidden to send somebody sandals or shoes which have nails in often before the shoes have been totally completed and made fully so they have nails coming out of them, but people would wear them even at that stage. However, there was once a story where there were many Jews hiding in a cave from the ruling nation who forbade them to keep Torah and Mitzvahs. So they were hiding in a cave and suddenly they heard a noise and they thought that it was the enemy army approaching. So there was a big panic and everybody started running out of the cave. And because many people were wearing these nailed shoes, some people got stepped on and stampeded and were killed. And because that happened on a Shabbos, the Chachom said that it is forbidden to wear such shoes on Shabbos or Yom Tov, since those are days where people often gather together much more than on a regular day. So it is more similar to that situation where they were in the cave, so the Chachom said that it is forbidden to wear such shoes on Shabbos and Yom Tov. And therefore it is forbidden to give it as a gift on Shabbos and Yom Tov, even on Yom Tov, since it cannot be benefited from on Yom Tov itself. Neither can one send somebody a shoe which hasn't been sewn, so it cannot be worn. And Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, even if it can possibly be worn, but it's extremely unlikely that that person will wear it, 
For example, Afromin Alovon. One cannot even send a white shoe because it requires a craftsman to blacken it since the custom of the Jews was never to wear white shoes, only black shoes. So although it's possible to wear it, the receiver is very unlikely to wear it since the custom was only to wear black shoes. So the Mishnah says the rules are, Klol, this is the rule, Kol that's how we're going to read it, Kol Anything which one can benefit from it on Yom Tov itself, one is allowed to send it as a gift on Yom Tov, since it is for the sake of Yom Tov.